Present Podcast. This is Kim Groves, hoping you've had a lovely weekend. I hope you had a chance to listen to our talk on the possible existence of a seven-branched lampstand in Solomon's Temple. Today, we will be examining lessons we can learn from the relationship between Samson and Delilah. Today's talk was inspired by a conversation I had with my friend Dave. Dave is a preacher and a minister, and we were talking about the state of romantic relationships today. Now, I have recently celebrated 15 years of marriage, and my husband and I have been together 18 years this October. Some people in Dave's and my friend's circle, because we've known each other for 30 years, are on their second or third marriage. It made both of us wonder why some relationships flourish and others fail. During our conversation, Samson and Delilah were mentioned. It was then I decided to do a study on them. So, let's take a look at the story of Samson and Delilah. Who was Samson? Samson was a judge of Israel. He was miraculously conceived. He was to become a Nazarite from birth. He was consecrated to God with a vow to abstain from wine and strong drink, avoid dead bodies, and refrain from cutting his hair. He was hard-headed and had a life of mischievous actions, but God used Samson to fulfill his purpose. Now let's turn our attention to Delilah. We don't really know a lot about her, only she was a Philistine woman who lived in the Valley of Sorek. From our reading of the book of Judges, she was an ungodly woman who bribed and deceived people. So, what are some lessons that we can learn from the story of Samson and Delilah? Well, first, Samson allowed his lust to control his relationships. As a result, he had one failed relationship after another. While Samson was a man of incredible physical strength, he had a great weakness to women. He had already married a Philistine woman who betrayed him, who took revenge on the men who took her by burning down the standing corn. Since the Philistines couldn't kill him, they turned their wrath to the woman and her father. He then went to Gaza, where he had relations with a harlot. Now, when we choose to allow our lusts to control our relationships, this is how it ends every time. Because we're not acting in the best interests of honoring God and even ourselves. We're acting out of a need to engage and cater to those carnal desires that we all have. Samson and Delilah's love story, and I put love in quotes here, was not about agape love, which I think we've discussed agape love, which is a a deep, abiding, respectful love. It was about physical love or lust. After two failed relationships, one would think Samson would have picked his potential life partners a little bit better, but he didn't. And this is not just a man thing. This is women do the same thing. And somebody once told me the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again, expecting a different result. Here is Samson in a nutshell. He is engaging in the same behaviors over again, expecting different results. And he doesn't get them. He gets the same results every single time. After a while, he did fall in love with Delilah. However, she is the only named woman in the story of Samson. 
and one wonders if the writer of Judges mentions her name specifically because she is the cause of Samson's downfall. Now, Samson's love, or alternatively lust, towards Delilah leads him down a dangerous path that only allows him to gain redemption through death. The problems that arise from their mismatched union are nearly irreversible. Now, I call Samson and Delilah's relationship a mismatch for a reason. The lesson we can learn is one of what happens to relationships formed outside the church. And I'm not talking if you're a Baptist and you fall in love with a Methodist, or if you're Catholic and you fall in love with a Methodist or an Episcopalian or anything like that. Unions founded outside a relationship with God, that both partners have a relationship with God, are doomed to failure. The lesson we can learn um, that Samson did not pray for God's guidance in seeking a companion. He allowed his carnal being to take over. Now, Paul, kind of going into our New Testament here, reminds us to not be yoked unequally together with unbelievers. And I think the point is, is that when Paul says unbelievers, he's talking about non-believers in Christ. Again, when my husband and I met, he was a Baptist and I was a Methodist. So you would think, well, is that being unequally yoked? No. Now, Steve, my husband, did have an advantage in that he was raised in, uh, with contact with the United Brethren, who eventually became part of the United Methodist, which is what I was when we got married. So there was at least a little bit of common ground there that we had. So the fact that he was Baptist and I was Methodist, we both have an abiding love for God. So that really found, was the foundation of our relationship. Um, we always like to think that we as Christians can change or convert the non-believer to our way of thinking. But more likely, the non-believer non will turn us to our ways or to their ways. So I always like to say when I used to teach, it wasn't the good kids that, that would bring the kids that were not quite well behaved up. It was usually the kids that were badly behaved bringing the good kids down. So it, it doesn't always work the way you think it's going to work. You pray it works that way, but it doesn't always. Samson made this mistake, and it cost him everything. Marriage with an unbeliever is incredibly destructive, and you shouldn't just trust your heart, but instead pray to God for wisdom and guidance. Now, I'm going to piggyback off this lesson for just a second, and it's another lesson. When choosing a spouse, you must trust God. Samson made this mistake. He didn't trust God would provide a godly wife for him, so he caved to his carnal desires. And we've seen this going through off and on. When Abram was promised a son, well, he was in his 90s, and his wife was in her 90s. Sarah was in her 90s when they were promised their, their son Isaac. Well, Ab Abram didn't trust God, and instead he turned to his servant and had a child with her. That wasn't the child that God promised. God promised that Sarah and Abraham would have a child together, not that Abram would have a child with his servant. We are all guilty of this at times. 
We grow so afraid of being alone that we look before we leap when it comes to our romantic relationships. Steve and I were, well, Steve was pushing 30 when we met and I was pushing, well, I was in my late 20s. So in a sense, you know, we waited for the right time. We married shortly before I turned 30 and Steve was 33. Um, so we obviously we waited a while before we got married and we, we made sure that we were absolutely right for each other. And I'm not saying it's always been perfect. I would never say that. But we pray that every day we love each other a little bit more, a little bit better, and we work through our problems versus just throwing our hands up and giving up. And we always make sure that we both stay grounded in God. God must be at the center of any relationship you have. We may think we know better, but God knows best. If we truly pray for God's guidance when seeking an eternal companion, God will lead us to the Mr. or Miss right for us. By committing to a non-believer, we are committing to someone who can't even commit to God. Another lesson we can learn is the price of our salvation. Samson may have loved Delilah, but Delilah loved money more than she loved Samson. The Philistines adroitly used Delilah as a means to get rid of Samson, someone who had done nothing but cause them problems. They wanted her to seduce him and find the source of his strength so they could use it to destroy him. Samson was the most wanted man in Philistine and they were willing to pay a huge sum to get rid of him. Delilah got about 5,500 shekels of silver for her betrayal. Now this leads us to a broader question of what is the price of our salvation? Do we as Christians see it as a priceless gift or something to toss aside when the rigors of obedience become too difficult? Are the riches of this world worth more than the presence of God in Jesus Christ that awaits the faithful? Do we desire the temporary in favor of the permanent? God's gift of salvation and eternal life is priceless, as it was a price paid for with blood. We should always pray to remain in the right perspective and realize that throwing away our salvation in favor of temporal pleasures is foolish. A sixth lesson we can learn from the story of Samson and Delilah is making sure our confidence is in the right place. Samson knew from his past that even though he disobeyed God, he was still delivered out of danger. Like many people, he thought his constant forays into the sinful life wouldn't impact his relationship with God. His fatal mistake was forsaking confidence and faith in God for confidence and faith in himself. His relationship with Delilah was a hot mess, and she was taking bribes to betray him. She tried to discover the source of his strength four times, and every time he would divulge the alleged source, the Philistines would come and arrest him. Now let's break this down a little bit. If you shared a confidence with a friend, or better yet, a romantic partner, and they went and told someone who wasn't a friend, or worse, someone you had prior problems with, you would immediately part ways with them, no questions asked. You may even forgive them, which you should, as we are told to forgive 70 times 7. But you, as well as most people, would part ways with a person who betrayed us. 
I know I would. Samson, on the other hand, simply tolerated Delilah's treacherous behavior four times, ultimately leading to his downfall. Samson was too self-confident. He forgot that his strength didn't come from his hair. It came from God and his obedience to the rules and laws laid out by him upon Samson's birth. He thought he was invincible and needed no one but himself. God taught him a fatal and humbling lesson. Samson, leading on his own understanding, told Delilah the source of his strength, his hair. By betraying this act of obedience to God, thinking he knew better, Samson sealed his fate. Again, it was never Samson's hair that was the source of his strength. It was Samson's obedience and reliance on God that was the true source of his strength. Samson's constant disobedience caused God to part from him. We can also learn how to be stronger than Samson by learning from his mistakes. That's what we all try to do. We see someone make a mistake, we try to learn from it and not do the same thing, make the same mistakes. Samson was the original superhero. He was Superman, Iron Man, Captain America, the Black Panther, and all the DC and Marvel superheroes in one. Some of his feats of strength, including killing a thousand Philistines with a donkey's jawbone, he carried a heavy gate and post to the top of a hill, he ripped open a line with his bare hands, and when bound with strong ropes, simply snapped them like a thread. In order for us to be stronger than Samson, we need to put on the whole armor of God. We can be spiritually stronger than Samson by asking for and seeking God's guidance and plan for our lives. An additional thing we can learn from Samson is that if we are not careful, our greatest strength can become our greatest weakness. As we have said before, Samson's strength didn't come from his hair, but from his obedience to God. When he engaged in his last act of disobedience, his strength left him, or said another way, God left him. All of a sudden, his great strength became a great weakness. When the Spirit of God parted from him, he became as weak as a child. We can avoid becoming like Samson by drawing near to God and realizing you can't escape the consequences of your sin. The final thing we can learn from Samson is to never let anyone take your crown. Sometimes we hear our hair referred to as our crown in glory, but the crown I'm referring to is the crown that awaits us in heaven when we hold fast to the commandments and choose to continue following God, even when it is hard to do so. Samson almost lost his crown because of his refusal to obey God and because of the corrupt and deceitful Delilah. We need to identify the temptations that could potentially take our crown from us. We live in a world of constant temptation, and we need to be constantly on guard. We can look at the life of Samson as a warning to what will happen should we choose to live outside the will of God and disobey his plan for your life. Not only should we learn lessons from Samson's mistakes, we should also apply the lessons to our lives. Well, I think that about sums up the lessons we can learn from Samson and Delilah. I hope you can forgive my voice. The allergies here are crazy, and I've been working in my garden, 
So that certainly hasn't helped my situation anything. One thing I've learned from this pandemic is when I am outside working on my shrubbery and my garden, a mask is everything. I hope you have a chance to read the story of Samson and Delilah as told in the book of Judges. I would love to hear from you. I can be reached at kimg.pastandpresentpodcast at gmail.com. I can also be reached at, at podcast past, I'm sorry, past under podcast underscore past on Twitter. I can also be reached on our two Facebook pages, Rebirth Network and Rebirth Encouraged, both with a purple heart between the words. Please join us Thursday when we begin a multi-week study on the question of the fall of Jericho. Again, this is Kim Groves with the Past and Present Podcast, hoping you stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. God.